welcome everybody to A Servant's Heartbeat. My name is Kristen. Thank you for listening and allowing me to share my heartbeat for the kingdom of God with you. So the heartbeat of the podcast today is brotherly kindness and charity. The last few weeks we have discussed what it is to be chosen and then that we are chosen to grow and we are growing and adding to our faith. So we may not all be called to some upfront role or position, but we all have a calling to grow. So our focus again has been second Peter chapter one. And thus far we have talked about virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, and godliness Today, the focus is on brotherly kindness and charity. So let's jump into it. I think with brotherly kindness and charity, or really, I guess the whole, the whole list, there is a link between those qualities that we are adding to our faith. They play into or contribute to one another. And growing in these qualities is not a one-and-done kind of deal. There is no, I have arrived place here. But these are things that we can continue to come back to and study and take heed of to ensure that we are continuing to grow in our walk with God. Now, maybe you notice this, but kind of reflecting back on the previous five qualities that we've talked about, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, and godliness, Maybe those triggered some self-reflection or self-examination. So maybe you asked yourself, do I have virtue? How is my character? Am I growing in the knowledge of God? Do I need to work on my self-control and the submission that goes with that? Am I waiting patiently on God in these character-building experiences? And is godliness a lifestyle? or just something that I put on on Sunday mornings. So just a few questions to chew on, but again, perhaps those have triggered you to look at self. How am I growing? Am I honestly growing? Now, as we approach these last two qualities, brotherly kindness and charity, I kind of got to thinking that this, this almost shift the focus a little bit. Yes, it still triggers some self-examination, but it's as if the focus has shifted to not so much how I see just me, but how I see those around me, both in the church and outside of the church. So if I had to summarize these last two topics with one word, it would be love. And if I could pick just one more word to go with it, it would be relationship. So God is a God of love, and he is a God of relationship. The Lord is interested not only in our relationship with him, but it's in those times that we are growing and walking and talking with him that we realize how interested he is in our relationship with others, those around us. So again, our our focus here could be summed up in one word, and that's love. Um, And the KJV uses the word charity. And, you know, charity or love has kind of become one of those popular Christian buzzwords that you see or hear 
everywhere. I mean, just one walk into Hobby Lobby and you'll see love written on a bunch of stuff. (laughs) But you and I both know that I could put all the love decor in the house I want to, but that does not mean that true love is in operation in that house. So our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and those outside the body should be approached with intention. This is something that we are to work on or add to our faith. And we mentioned this before with the other qualities that we went over in the previous weeks, but these things just don't happen. There's no passive absorption (laughs) with these. Adding these to your faith comes with intentional application. So as we go through this today, that's something to consider. How can I intentionally apply this to my walk with God? So an application to kind of get our brains going here is to think about Noah. You know, there are some similarities that I think can help us grasp what brotherly kindness and charity could mean for us today. So good old Noah. Noah walked with God. Noah had a relationship with God. And Noah had a family. And as those chapters continue in Genesis, we read about how God lays out his plan to Noah. God told Noah to build an ark. And this ark was going to be used to carry him and his family out of that corrupt setting. Now, the details of this are not spelled out in scripture. So I'm, I'm going to be a little humorous here. Just heads up. This, this is not how it really happened. But One can only imagine what the building process of that art must have looked like. I mean, you've got a family that's working together to build an ark. And perhaps you know by firsthand experience, when your family gets going on a project, things may not always go the way you planned. It may not be just this beautiful, perfect situation. You know, something is bound to happen. Somebody's going to get in an argument. Somebody's going to have a misunderstanding. Somebody's going to get mad because you didn't cut the gopher wood perfectly. You know, the the wives of Noah's sons may get into it because so-and-so made her closet bigger than my closet in the ark, and that's not okay. (laughs) But despite the differences in in opinions, in viewpoints, and personalities. They're a family. We're in this ark together. And just as they were a family in that ark, so were we a church family. We are God's people. And the kindness to one another, the love towards one another, is comparable to that love that members of a family would have. So a question to consider here, was the ark only for Noah and his family? Or do you think that Noah may have tried reaching to those around him? So not just the family love, but possibly was there a love and a burden going on for those around him as well? And again, these details are not spelled out in scripture, but we do know based on 2 Peter 2.5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So this suggests that he may have been trying to reach for those that were outside the ark while he still had 
time, knowing that an end was coming. I wonder what went through Noah's mind and his his family's mind for that matter. While they were in this ark, building in obedience to God, yet seeing the world around them, what went through their minds? And as a church family, as a member of the body of Christ, what's on my mind as the coming of the Lord draws near? Is there a love and a burden for those that are lost outside of the ark? So let's talk brotherly kindness. Now, in some places, this is translated as brotherly love, and it's often compared to the love of a family, kind of like the example with Noah and his family. So that kind of gives maybe, I guess, an understanding of the use of why we may call one another brothers and sisters. So brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And maybe it's just a thing in the South here, I don't know, but there are a few young ones that may refer to me not just as Sister Kristen, but Aunt Kristen. There's no natural blood relation, but it's just an example of that type of family love that we find in a church family. So aside from hearing people say brother and sister or aunt and uncle, what is the evidence that there is brotherly kindness at work in the church? When a visitor stops by our church, what do they see? Is there something happening that communicates to that visitor, whoa, this is God's people? John 13, 35 says, By this all men shall know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love to one another. Galatians 6, 2 brings this out. Is there a bearing of one another's burdens within the church? so fulfilling the law of Christ? Or is there a unity that doesn't give space to gossip or or prejudice or cliques that could form? Consider the unity that took place on the day of Pentecost when they were all with one accord in one place. Or perhaps when that visitor walks in, are they seeing a desire that people have to grow together because iron sharpeneth iron. And they're not seeing a comparison competition. Nobody is comparing themselves among themselves, which 2 Corinthians 2.12 says ain't too wise. Now we mentioned before that this brotherly kindness is comparable to a, a family type of love. And many of you may have experienced in a natural family setting, there are events and circumstances and situations that arise that could test the strength of that family unit. So if that takes place in a natural family, could that take place in a church family? I'd say so. It's real easy both in the natural and in, in, the, in a church family, for things to fall apart. It's real easy for things to fall apart, but it takes work to keep things together. And that work is rooted in love. Paul mentions in Colossians 3.14 for us to put on charity 
love, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, that doesn't mean that we are nothing but perfect people. That word perfectness means maturity. So when brothers and sisters can work together in love, a maturity, a growth begins to take place within that family. In this case, the church family, which as a whole helps us grow as the body of Christ. And a bond develops, a a glue, if you will, that holds things together. It's a love that allows us to communicate with one another, even if we don't agree (laughs) with each other. We won't always see eye to eye, but there will be love. It's a love that encourages a brother or sister that may be going through something, but somebody notices and helps them be encouraged by saying, hey, you are not alone. I'm with you. It's a love that I stated before won't entertain gossip about a member of their family that's struggling but rather they're going to pray sincerely that God would help them. It's a love that fights for unity in the family because we don't want anybody to leave this ark of safety. All right, so now let's talk charity, and these very much so will carry over between the two. So we've talked about charity or love within the body, but now we're going to talk about that reaching love outside of the walls of the church. Now, I'm not sure if this example that I'm going to give here will make sense to everybody, but when I consider the perspective of someone who does not know about the true love of God, to them, it may seem that love is just another word and is very commercialized. And by that, I mean love is printed on their t-shirts, on on coffee mugs. It's used for various slogans and brandings, and people are sending heart emojis multiple times a day. I've had contact with people, several people, that, again, consider love to be just another word in their vocabulary, but really it doesn't have anything or mean anything significant to them. And I'll admit, prior to coming to God, I had a similar view. But oh, the change. To be able to say that now, I I see, I see it. Love is the greatest thing I can bring to my relationship with God and my relationship with others. Mark 29, 12 says, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. Verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Verse 31, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. I don't know how else to spell it out, but love's pretty great, (laughs) y'all. So again, to, to realize that love is the greatest thing that we can bring to our relationship with God and with others. Mark records the Lord saying that this is the first of all the commandments. Love is important to God. 
Now I can speak firsthand from, from this experience here, but as a, as a sinner walking into the back door of an apostolic church and not having a clue about anything that goes on there, you know, I, I walked in and, and as I'm there, they're shouting, there's dancing, there's music, there's running the aisles, things that maybe I wasn't necessarily used to, but it wasn't any of that that drew me back to that little country church in Central Heights. What drew me back was love. I was a complete stranger to 99% of the people in that building, except for the one that invited me. Yet, I was greeted with smiles, handshakes, hugs, and an invitation to go eat wings after service. <laughs> I was a lost soul that was reached to and loved. So adding to our faith or adding charity to our faith goes well beyond just how it impacts me or self. But this is impacting somebody else's life that I get the privilege of reaching to. This happens in the workplace. That person that may be testing your temperance or self-control that we talked about last week. Yet you love them. Doesn't mean you agree with everything they do and that they don't get on your nerves. But you love them. I have heard so many testimonies of, of times where continuing to love that person that was hard to work with finally led to a place of their walls being broken down and that opened the door for a Bible study or an invite to church. This is the love that loves the unlovable. This love isn't caught up in numbers. Maybe you have given untold hours and time in reaching to various people. But if just one of them responds, if just one of them responds to you reaching in love and comes to repentance, it's worth it and heaven rejoices. It's this love that brings us to our knees in intercession and travail for the lost. Because here we are in this ark of safety, the church, but in love we're praying and interceding that more would come in while the door of this ark is open. Now, I feel like it's, it's almost not even right to talk about love without referencing 1 Corinthians 13 because it's so well known for how it, how it explains what charity is or what love is. So in verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians 13, it makes it clear that we could speak with tongues, have gifts, and give of ourselves. Yet, if we do it without love, it's nothing. Reading in the NIV, 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And boy, that'll make you scoot your toes back so you don't get stepped on a little bit. <laughs> Verse six, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So as we wrap things up today, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, 
patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Intentionally taking the time to add these things to our faith are an important part of our walk with God. Second Peter 1.8 says, For if these things be in you, all these things that we've talked about over the past few weeks, if these things be in you and abound, so continuing to grow in you, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So add to your faith and let's grow to heaven together. <music>